suddenly I bump into someone, you're under arrest, you have assaulted a peace officer, you see him twisting my arm, throwing me up against the wall. The whole thing was a stitch up. They just care about the money now. They know these media outlets cannot survive without taxpayer funded welfare. So their ethics and morality they park that in the closet. The real meat and potatoes is the charter rights violation. You can't go physically assault journalists. You're a man living in the modern world in a time when men and manhood are not what they once were. You live life on your own terms. You're self-sufficient. You think for yourself and you march to the beat of your own drum. When life knocks you down, you get back up because in your gut, you know that's what men do. You're a badass and a warrior. And on the days when you forget, we are here to remind you who you really are. Welcome to Sovereign Man Podcast, where we aim to make men masculine again. Uh, very special guest here for you today to talk about a very important topic, and that is uh, why all men and frankly, all humans should stand up for freedom of the press. David Menzies. Welcome, David. Welcome. Um, thank you so much, uh, Nikki. And uh, I'm, I'm very happy to hear that you're aiming to make men masculine again. And I'm even uh, far more happy that I didn't wear my busty Lemieux costume. So uh, <laughs> uh, there's, there's always something a little unmasculine about a shop teacher wearing uh, Z-cup fake breasts, but... I digress. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, David, um, before we get into the meat of the story, why don't you tell us a bit of the origin story of your fedora hat? Because I'm very interested in hearing it. Yeah, it's not quite up there with uh, Peter Parker being bitten by a radioactive spider and then gaining superhuman powers. Um, and, and, you know, that's why I love the comic book world, Nikki. Uh, if you or I were bitten by that radioactive spider, I fear that we would just get cancer and die a slow, miserable death. But in the comic, you become a superhero. But it goes down to the Yahoo Nation protests uh, back in 2020. Uh, that was when Doug Ford um, basically threw his own supporters, Ford Nation supporters, under the bus for protesting the uh, lockdown uh, measures. And he called them a bunch of yahoos and they embraced it. And they would every Saturday protest uh, outside Queens Park. In the beginning, there were thousands and thousands of these protesters. And we got some very colorful videos. Now, on the south lawn of Queens Park Crescent, there's a traffic island. And that was typically where the mainstream media would set up because, you know, Nikki, it was like, you know, wildlife photography, you know, when they go in and they shoot, you know, leopards and uh, lions in Africa, you, you you have a safe distance of several hundred meters and using a, a zoom lens uh, because, uh, well, you know, obviously people against the lockdowns, uh, these were the filthy unwashed masses. So, we, you know, the mainstream media wanted to uh, stay away from them. But there was a CBC reporter, I don't know her name, and she looked at me and she started running backwards and I've never seen a woman in high heels run backwards so fast. And I literally got concerned of her safety, uh, Nikki, because she's about to step off the traffic Island and there's cars coming around Queens park Crescent, like it's a NASCAR race. I didn't want to. So I said, Hey, Hey, watch out, watch out. Stop. She stopped. 
And I said, what's the matter? And she mumbled, your hair, it, it, it scared me. Now, here's the thing, Nick, if you recall, all the barber shops were closed down. And, you know, so and, and, and so everybody had unkempt hair, unless you were part of the elite and you got a secret barber. Um, but um, and I figured, you know, I'm not Brad Pitt. I'll give you that. But I don't think I'm quite the Frankenstein monster. Not yet. But anyways, it was, it was so shattering to me that my hair blowing in the wind might be scaring CBC reporters that I decided to go and buy a hat and cover it up. And I guess it stuck around, even though the barbershops are back open again. <laughs> there you go. Well, you know what? I, uh, I got my hair cut. I, I had, um, I had a, a barber who was uh, not down with uh, all the shutdowns and let his uh, good clients know that if they wanted to get a haircut, he was open for business. So I went to see him. I never, I never missed a haircut. God bless me. <laughs> um, That's my barber, Nikki. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. So, David, uh, it's a great story. There's a reason I wanted to interview you today, because a few weeks back on the anniversary of the shooting down of the uh, Ukrainian jetliner by the uh, Islamic Republic Guard Corps, um, which killed... Um, I think something like 85 uh, Iranian-born Canadian citizens, something along those numbers, Canadian citizens and permanent residents. And you were there at that uh, memorial, and you attempted to interview the deputy prime minister of our country, uh, Christian Friedland. And um, Ms. Friedland decided to ignore you. And that's fine. That's her right. She doesn't have to answer your questions. But you, as a credentialed journalist, absolutely have a right to ask her those questions. And while you were uh, attempting to ask those questions, a member of her security detail, um, who can only be described as a big thug, uh, he looked like he was uh, um, uh, a man who worked out, uh, a man who engaged in combat sports. Uh, he weighed 230 pounds if he weighed an ounce. Uh, this man appeared to deliberately shoulder you into the wall, and then he claimed that you, um, 60 plus year old uh, man who, uh, I, listen, I mean this is no disrespect, but isn't exactly in top shape or looks like an athlete <laughs> or looks like a combat martial artist of any sort, assaulted him. And then he proceeded to say that you're under arrest, and he managed to get help from five other law enforcement officers, each of whom was uh, also a physical specimen in shape to put you in handcuffs and take you away. And, and I got to tell you, I want to just tell you from me as an Iranian Canadian who witnessed that growing up all the time, journalists being um, attacked, journalists being physically assaulted, journalists being arrested, beaten up, and even killed. That was the moment that this law-abiding man, and I'm still a law-abiding man, became radicalized, like radicalized by that. And I, I just want you, if you wouldn't mind, to walk us step-by-step step by what happened. I know you've said this on a few other shows, and I've seen it, but I just want people to understand what you were doing, what happened, and how it made you feel, and why you've decided to, to sue the government over this because i think it's very important that you sue them and that you are successful in your suit 
Yeah, thank you, Nikki. Uh, first of all, uh, by way of background, I have lived in Richmond Hill for 25 years. Um, I mentioned that because there's a significant Persian population here. I think it's now as high as 14% of the residents of Richmond Hill are uh, Persian. And um, by the way, I would like to say I have never had any problems with any of the Persian residents. Quite the contrary. I shop at their stores. I uh, go to their fantastic restaurants. Um, they are great, aren't they? The restaurants are off the hook great. I got to just say, sidebar. <laughs> well, a, a shout out to Rayon Kebab on Levendale Road. <laughs> Love that place. And um there is one exception, however, Nikki, and that would be, uh, ironically, the member of parliament for the riding of Richmond Hill. That would be Majid Johari, who is pro-regime in Iran. I mean, I, I can never meet um, Persians that are supporters of the Iranian regime. Quite the contrary, they fled uh, the country, uh, clearly having buyer's remorse regarding the 1979 revolution. But here we have a guy. Uh, who is the MP, um, who um, is supports the regime, who, who tweets out or, or um, uh, congratulations uh, to the regime. Uh, it is absolutely astonishing. I should tell you, in the 2019 federal election, uh, Nikki, the closest riding in Canada was the riding of Richmond Hill. In fact, the conservative candidate, good man by the name of Costas Minigakis, went to bed thinking he had won the riding. And guess what, Nikki? Where have you heard this one before? Overnight, they counted the mail-in ballots, and uh, by some 200 votes, uh, Majid Johari was re-elected. Uh, yeah, let me, uh, let me ask you if that gets your spidey senses tingling. Anyways, I went to the first memorial service in 2020, regarding the Ukrainian Airlines uh, plane that was shot down. And um, it was there was a bit of a police presence there. And um, lo and behold, there were politicians of every level, every political stripe attending. And conspicuous by his absence was Majid Johari, even though the Richmond Hill Center for the Performing Arts is right smack dab in his writing. And I asked some persons, I said, hey, where's the federal MP? I mean, this is a big deal, given the debt toll. And they said to me, uh, Nikki, uh, Dave, uh, if he knows what's best for him, he doesn't dare show his face. Um, you know, because there was so much resentment for his support of the regime. So that was basically my basis for going to the fourth anniversary uh, of this. Nikki, I want to point out we were invited to go. Uh, we have the invitation. And it was just, again, my 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 angle, so to speak, was to see would Johari indeed show up again, given the resentment towards this individual. Now, I can tell you, as soon as my cameraman, Lincoln Jay, and I got there, I knew something was up because there was a huge security and police presence. There were all these big um, SUV Suburbans uh, by the way, you don't see any EVs. Uh, <laughs> these are eight-cylinder fossil fuel burners. And, oh, and by the way, keep the engine roll uh, going because uh, God forbid the political elites walk into a cold or a hot vehicle. And, uh, and there was also a protester. He shows up everywhere. His name is Derek um, with his big F. Trudeau flag. So I knew 
um, there were some big heavy hitters coming here, including the prime minister. That was a big surprise. Didn't know until um, an hour and a half before the actual event. So the idea was to do streeters, Nikki, interview uh, Persian Canadians attending the vigil. What is, what's their take on it? And lo and behold, as I was doing a stand-up, uh, my cameraman, Lincoln, said, hey, it's um, uh, Minister Freeland. And sure enough, it was. So I trotted over to her, and they know who I am. Uh, if they don't, they see my microphone out with the Rebel News mic flash. And I started asking her uh, questions. Uh, the most relevant, I think, was four years later, why is the IRGC not on the terror list? I mean, Trump put them on there. And I can't believe I'm going to give a shout out to Joe Biden. To his credit, he left them on the list. He never removed them, as I understand it. And Freeland gave me that. She has this like Cheshire cat smile um, full of smugness doesn't answer the questions. So I'm walking and talking. This is a time-honored journalistic uh, pursuit. If anyone says, oh, why are you bothering her on in, in a public area? Well, we have to because we can't get into the House of Commons. The parliamentary press gallery won't allow us because they do the bidding of um, uh, Justin Trudeau. And we can't go to um, press conferences uh, that the Liberals put on uh, because they'll uh, charges uh, under trespassing. So our only opportunity, uh, Nikki, to interview uh, federal ministers is literally on the street. So that's why I went there. And listen, I'm not holding her up. I'm not blocking her way. And if you watch the video, um, you, you, you spoke about that censorious thug, um, the RCMP officer, who wasn't wearing a badge, who was in plain clothes, um, he actually sticks his arm out. It's kind of like a pick in basketball or a clothesline in wrestling. And I can tell you, uh, Nikki, and the video shows this, um, I felt him before I actually saw him, which is to say my focus was entirely on uh, Minister Freeland. And suddenly um, I bump into someone. I think I said, sorry, excuse me. I didn't even know who this was. And he immediately goes, uh, you know, you're under arrest, you have assaulted a peace officer, and you see him twisting my arm, throwing me up against the wall. Um, the whole thing was a stitch up. Thank God, Lincoln, and I would estimate at least 20, 30 other people caught this on cell footage. And he has me arrested for assaulting a peace officer. By protocol, what they do, they defer to local law enforcement to do their dirty work, Nikki, uh, which is the York Regional Police. And I kind of got a vibe. The officers there were not happy uh, about doing this. They witnessed firsthand what happened, too, and they knew this was bad. They handcuffed me. I'm sitting in a police cruiser. And within the hour, Nikki, and I guess this will all come out in the court case, and I'll, I'll uh, weigh in on that with you in a second, Mm -hmm. uh, lo and behold, they informed me that the officer has declined to press charges. Now, two things. He, he was so upset. You see him red hot about me assaulting him when it was the other way around. Mm -hmm. Why within an hour would he change his mind about that? That's one thing. And secondly, this uh, so-called assault was witnessed by several police officers 
Uh, you don't need the permission of the person being assaulted. They could say, oh, no, no, no. We saw what Menzies did. Uh, he tossed a haymaker. Uh, we're, we're arresting him. And of course, they didn't do it. In fact, I think they were relieved that they could, uh, you know, catch and release me uh, behind um, uh, a school. So now we're in the position of uh, suing um, the uh, the RCMP, York Regional Police, uh, Minister Freeland. It will take years. It will take a lot of money. But that's where we are now. Well, there's a couple of things I want to unpack with you, David. Number one is um, thank you for very succinctly but thoroughly uh, outlining exactly what happened, exactly why you were in the position to uh, walk side by side in a scrum with the minister to attempt to ask her a question. Because I don't think everybody knows that. Like, there may be people who think, well, why, why don't you ask questions at a press conference or whatever? So the, the so-called liberal government, and I'm, I'm going to just ask, David, that you work with me, and let's start calling them the so-called liberal government and the so-called liberal party, because I think their appropriate name is the new fascist party of Canada, because they behave <laughs> like fascists. So the so-called liberal party and the so-called liberal government um, has not allowed uh, unfriendly, well, who they perceive as being unfriendly news outlets to be in their press conferences or to be uh, uh, in the House of Commons asking them questions because they can't handle it. They're not masculine. A, a man can look another man in the eye and um, withstand tough questioning. That's what makes you a man. If you're not a man, if you're a soy boy like uh, Justin Trudeau is, uh, the erstwhile prime minister and leader of the so-called liberal party, the new fascist party of Canada, then you won't do that because you haven't got the, the balls, the cojones to sit down and let someone ask you tough questions. Um, so what you did was important from that point of view, because it it's it's starting to allow people to see that, hey, you're doing this for a reason. You're attempting to hold the powerful into account. The whole reason why an independent press exists in a free country is to hold the powerful to account. If all you have is sycophantic journalistic outlets that are frankly being paid by the government, you're never going to have them be held to account. I would want the conservative government, the incoming conservative government, because I think we're all pretty clear that Pierre Polyev is going to be uh, elected prime minister when there's an election. I don't think they can even steal the election from him. There's just too many people that hate Trudeau right now. It's just it's just a fact. But there are three things that have happened as a result of what happened to you that, that heartens me. Number one is people like me who are law-abiding good citizens, and we're still law-abiding good citizens, have become radicalized. We're not putting up with this. We're not trying to we're not trying to find a way to accommodate ourselves with these folks. They're the enemy and they need to be fought until they're destroyed. Metaphorically speaking, let me just be very clear, metaphorically speaking. So that's number one. Number two is I've noticed that ever since this happened, Pierre Poiliev has started taking questions from you specifically at several press conferences. Did you notice that this happened immediately after this crazy assault by the thugs of the Liberal Party on you? Indeed. And uh, talk about a silver lining. And believe me, I'm grateful to go to any uh, press conference. But you're right. That very week, uh, we flew out to Winnipeg uh, to a Pierre Polyev press conference. And um, 
not only were we uh, welcomed, we were given the opportunity to have the first question. Last week, uh, went down to Kitchener, uh, I, another Pierre Paglia press conference. Uh, we were number two in terms of asking a, a question. And, oh, you know we're getting the stink guy from mainstream media who are at the back of the bus or even off the bus because they, they just run out of time. So that has been a very happy... <laughs> Sorry, that just Schadenfreude is a wonderful thing. Schadenfreude is a wonderful thing. Well, it's like, and more than that, I think, Nikki, it's like, uh, how do you like a taste of how we've been treated? Um, you know, and, and by that, I include conservatives like uh, Aaron O'Toole, who on the uh, day before the 2021 election had me and my camera woman uh, through their RCMP thugs, we were forced to stand on a road, a busy road in Markham at the last press conference of the 2021 uh, election. They actually lied, Nikki, about the property line, i.e. the first meter of land is actually town property. So we didn't have to be put in jeopardy. That was the kind of metal um, that Aaron O'Toole represented. So um, that is, you know, a good change. And yeah, and according to the polls, we might be on the cusp of the biggest majority government in Canadian history. I think the, the latest poll number I saw was 223 seats going conservative. But back to the issue at hand, what I want to tell your viewers is um, our claim against the RCMP. And I believe in the days ahead, uh, it will um, be issued. And it's uh, basically eight components. I'll go through them very quickly. False arrest, false imprisonment, abuse of process, assault and battery, negligence, breach of Section 2B of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, the fundamental freedom of the press and other media of communication. And finally, Nikki, breach of constitutional rights protected by Section 7, 9, and 10 of the Charter. And what I'm getting at, Nikki, here is that um, the assault is one thing, but the real meat and potatoes of this lawsuit is the Charter rights violation. You can't go and physically assault journalists. That's the stuff of banana republics. Okay, yep. well, rephrase that we can't we can't grow bananas in canada let's call ourselves a maple syrup republic okay yeah, maple syrup republic. secondly there's a pattern of this um this happened to me in december of 2021 where i was physically beat up by um justin trudeau security detail while i was standing on a public sidewalk in downtown Toronto, I urge your viewers to check out that video from December of 2021. Uh, in, in many respects, it was worse than what happened uh, last month in Richmond Hill. And um, I should point out my colleague, Alexa Lavoie, when the uh, Freedom Convoy was being brutally shut down, an RCMP officer actually shot her in the thigh with, it was some kind of a cylinder. It wasn't a bullet, Nikki. I think it was like a tear gas. Uh, cylinder. Um, I'm not sure, but she was an incredible pain. She was crying. And, and that's a big deal, discharging a weapon. And I can tell you this, if it had hit Alexa in the face, we're speaking about Alexa Lavoie in the past tense. So not only was there this breach of charter rights, there is an ongoing pattern of Trudeau's thugs in the RCMP targeting rebel reporters this is going to be a big part of our case.
so th this, this is why the new fascist party um, really needs to lose the right to call themselves liberal. And I think we ought to just use so-called liberal party. They, they, they need to be in no uncertain terms told that that honorable term cannot apply to them anymore. They're fascists, number one. And number two is, here's the other thing I noticed, okay? Since Christian Friedland refused to speak with you, um, I noticed that you had an opportunity to do a similar scrum with uh, Stephen Gillibo, and he yes. did speak with you. He did not refuse to speak with you. They seem scared. They are frightened at the response of the public and of uh, Poiliev to what they did. And so I think the word has gone out is talk to them. <laughs> Come well, on. You know, uh, Nikki, a special circumstance there with uh, the Gibo press conference in Peterborough last week, and you're 100% right. Um, he did speak with me. I mean, and uh, I just stood at the microphone to give the first uh, question. But um, and maybe we'll never see the likes of this kind of press conference again because he held it on a public street in Peterborough. And um, so I can understand, you know, if the Liberal Party rents a venue and it's private property, we're not getting in and we'll be charged if we force our way in and we're not going to do that. But on a street, uh, as far as I'm concerned, that's the King's Highway, literally, and we have every right to be there. So, um, and, and by the way, um, I never thought I'd give kudos uh, to Stephen Gibo, um, but he did answer my question. We were allowed one, um, all the journalists that were there. And then afterwards, I did a walk and talk session uh, with Minister Guibault, and um, he answered my questions. I'm not buying what he was trying to sell me, mind not you, but he could have done the Christian Freeland thing and just smile and not say anything, and he didn't do that. So kudos no, to Minister Guibault. He was a man that day. I don't like him. I don't agree with anything he says. I think he's nuts, but he I, was a man that day. I'll give him that. And also, Nikki, another behavioral change. There were no police there, as far as I could tell. But uh, Minister Gibo had his entourage. And what they sometimes do is get in front of the camera. You know, they block the lens. They, you know, they push away the microphone. There was none of that. They were on their very best behavior. They were. And, um, and I think That's you might be you. on this. That's because of you, my friend. I want you to get be, this. Because you're a very modest man. And... I want you to understand this. I don't know if anyone else has said this to you that has interviewed you about this, but you're a freaking hero. What you did that oh, day well. and how you've stood up to these thugs is nothing short of heroic. It is you're, you're not a, you're not just a, an honest, independent journalist. You are um, you're like a political dissident who is not going to allow the powerful to get away with taking away our rights and freedoms. You're gonna push them. You're gonna show the world what they've done. You forced the leader of the conservative party to not only acknowledge this evil behavior on the part of the new fascist party and to stand up and go on social media right after it happened on all his platforms and denounce it in the strongest possible terms. I have never seen the, the conservative party and I'll give full credit to Pierre Polyev for that, stand up so strongly for freedom as they did that day. And he thumbs his nose at Trudeau by asking, letting you ask the first question and making sure you get to ask questions. And the questions you asked, 
he didn't in a slimy fashion try to weasel his way and give a non-answer he gave real substantive answers and i know when you asked a question about women in safe spaces his answer wasn't the best one from your point of view or my point of view because he said look the federal government there's things we can't do and I, i don't necessarily agree with that but he also did come up and say biological men should not be allowed in women's spaces period full stop end of story there was no weasel words around that that was a strong statement, in my opinion. You know what? A hundred percent. And it tells you a lot about society um, today, Nikki, in our woke cancel culture, that that would indeed be considered a brave statement on the behalf of Mr. Polyev to say, you know what? Um, a biological male should not be uh, playing against biological females and going into women's shelters and women's prisons which is currently the case. I mean, once upon a time, uh, it, to even have that as a question mark would be a sign of insanity. But this is the way it is now, thanks to human rights tribunals. Um, you identify as blank, so therefore you are, and we can't answer, ask questions about it. And he has taken a righteous stand. And I think it is um, politically advantageous for Mr. Polyev to go this route uh, because don't listen to what the elites have to say. Don't listen to what the whiners in the media have to say. You know, oh, this is transphobia. You and I can go out on the street, even to very strong liberal writings that'll still go liberal in the next election. And just interviewing the man and the woman on the street, do you agree with this transanity? I am pretty sure you'd get close to 100% saying no. So this is a good strategy uh, by Mr. Polyev. And don't let, you know, these whiners, uh, you know, get you down. The other thing I got to tell you, um, you, you know, you were very kind calling me a hero. I don't think I'm a hero. I'm still waiting for that radioactive spider to bite me. <laughs> but the, um, the 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 fact of the matter is, uh, I, I like a phrase from my boss, Ezra Levent. Um, the media watchdogs under Trudeau have become lapdogs. They're funded uh, by Trudeau. Uh, they know who their sugar daddy is. If there's one thing worse than censorship, Nikki, it is self-censorship. And we see that every single day in the media, this reluctance to ask the hard questions, this idea that certain issues such as transgenderism is a third rail topic, and we dare not stand on that rail. So if not for the likes of Rebel News, and you know there are some others out there, True North um, and other independent media, asking these questions, then nobody is going to hold this government accountable. Next time you have an opportunity to be at a press conference with uh, Mr. Polyev, please ask him if he intends not only to defund the CBC, but to defund all pro- uh, uh, public, all media outlets from getting government money and ask him if he agrees that the fact that they're getting government money makes them less likely to hold the powerful to, to account. I, I'd be very interested to seeing what his answer is about that because I believe that we cannot have a free society if the government is picking winners and losers in the media landscape. And I think that there should be a law passed by the next conservative government making it illegal for the government to, in any way, give money to media outlets. You know what, Nikki? Uh, that's an excellent question. I know for um, a matter of fact 
that and I've been to Pierre Polyev, um, you know, events and as well as uh, Maxime Bernier events of the People's Party of Canada, because I'll give credit where credit is due. Sure. It was Mr. Bernier first floated the platform a plank of defunding the CBC. But in the but whether it's Mr. Bernier saying that or Mr. Polyev, I can tell you this, Nikki, that gets the loudest and most prolonged standing ovation yep. of the people these events it's like sometimes you think the ceiling is going to cave in uh it, it's like the chiefs winning in overtime in the that super bowl that's how much and you know what so um we know they're both simpatico in terms of defunding the cbc that's what 1.2 1.3 billion dollars a year and twas ever thus uh it's outrageous we should um, get clarification if the top-up fund, which is $700 million plus for all the other media, will also go by the wayside. And make it shame on the media uh, for accepting this. Listen, I yes. understand um, media, mainstream media is a sunset in- industry. They're losing eyeballs. They're losing readers. They're losing sponsors. They're losing advertisers. What advertisers remain uh, they're getting huge discounted rates for those ads. Um, that's the new world that we're in in terms of social media. But more to the point, um, you know, I, I'm actually the only rebel staffer uh, who actually went to journalism school back in the early 80s. I did a three year course, graduated with a degree in uh, journalism from uh, Ryerson or whatever the hell they call the place right now. But um, I can tell you, um, my professors back then, and most of them would be left-leaning, they are just rolling in their graves seeing that journalists are being paid by government. It is an inherent conflict of interest, Nikki. Yes. How can you accept money from the government and then uh, in an unbiased, uh, unprejudicial uh, way cover that government you know it'd be like me if i was a reporter and say there was an outbreak of e coli at uh, canada packers and the ceo came up to me and he says hey dave uh, you know uh, I, I love your uh, media coverage of stuff you know what um you and the missus uh, probably need a nice vacation here's a check for twenty five thousand dollars go to the caribbean and if i accepted that how in blue hell, Nikki, could I fairly cover uh, that there's this uh, outbreak of E. coli there? I am compromised. I am painted. And they just care about the money now. They know these uh, media outlets cannot survive without taxpayer-funded uh, welfare. So their ethics and morality, they park that in the closet, Nikki. It's all about the dinero. Hey, I, I see that, which is why I think asking that question of uh, Mr. Polyev is very important and uh, listening to what his answer is is very important. I have a feeling he's going to say he's going to get rid of that fund, uh, but uh, love for him to go on the record with that. I also think, I don't know if you guys have already done this or not, but you should offer him a 45-minute uh, exclusive with Ezra uh, to come on Rebel News and uh, really fully explain his platform. and just so it doesn't look like you're playing favorites, offer it to the leaders of all the major parties. Just say, we're offering this and uh, we're going to give you, Mr. Polyev, the first first chance to do this and ask him the questions. He's going to get several hundred thousand, if not a couple million people watching that, which I think will be very good for his efforts. 
to win. And um, uh, I interviewed uh, Maxime Bernier last week on my other show. And um, here's what he said to me, that he's following the Bobby Kennedy Jr. Uh, tactic of going on any and all podcasts, even if they only have 500 listeners, he doesn't care because there'll be 500 people that you'll get to that he otherwise wouldn't be able to get to. So I think Mr. Polyev would be smart if he started to do more and more of that. But thumbing his nose at Trudeau because of what they did to you, I really like that. I like the fact that the the, the new fascist government of Canada has decided that they're too scared to uh, not answer questions from you. That's been a positive thing. But the thing that is the most positive thing is shortly after this happened, Trudeau's numbers, which already weren't good, started to really tumble. So he went from having uh, approval rating and, and, and his party having the support of, of the, uh, in the high 20s uh, to right now being in the high teens, to mid to high teens. So my friend, even though that was a terrible experience for you, you may have been one of the key reasons why there's absolutely no chance Justin Trudeau and his party will get reelected. So I think if for nothing else, David, you should be proud of that. You should be proud of that because you did that. It's certainly another log on the fire, isn't it, Nikki? I mean, there's so many scandals. Um, I can't even begin to list them because I've, I've forgotten so many, you know, ranging from blackface to SNC-Lavalin, the We Charity, the Aga Khan. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And now, of course, a ride scam. Yeah. Uh, that's that's going to look bad in the weeks ahead, uh, perhaps even lethal for this government. But you've touched upon a few things. I'll address them. Uh, yes, we are an open book. If anyone from Prime Minister Trudeau to Jagmeet Singh uh, to Elizabeth May wants to come into the studio and sit down with Ezra, and Ezra's the best in the business as far as I'm concerned, he's next Good. level. Um, uh, yeah, welcome that 45-minute uh, opportunity, not just with um, Mr. Polyev or, or, or Mr. Bernier. And um, the other thing, too, uh, Nikki, and this is where I say thank goodness for social media. That is probably the most viral video the company has produced in its uh, nine-year history. Um, you know, I think it was over 15 million Twitter impressions alone, or X, as the, as the case may it's be. way more than that not- by now, brother. I think you're approaching 50, 5 oh million Twitter impressions. Oh, my. Jeez, I'm reading yesterday's newspaper then, I suppose. Um <laughs> And what was fascinating about that, it's not that I'm, you know, trumpeting how uh, popular this video was going around the world. I'm mentioning this, Nikki, because the mainstream media was forced to cover it. Normally, they would ignore something like this, even though you'd think that an affront on any journalist would be a front on the entire industry. Hey, listen, do you think I want to see a CBC journalist roughed up and thrown in a police cruiser? No, absolutely not. But they don't see it that way at all. So they were forced to cover it. And I got some real perverse amusement by the descriptors uh, they would use. They couldn't use the J word, journalist. You know, uh, <laughs> even though I have a journalism degree, I have worked Ooh. since 1985 full time as a journalist. I have won awards for my journalism. I think, Nikki, I'm going out on a limb here. I think that might meet the benchmark of the definition of yeah, journalist. They would say commentator, uh, activist, and the CBC took the cake. 
uh, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it was along the lines of David Manzies, a man who identifies as a journalist, a man who identifies, as, you know, Nikki, the funny thing is, if this was some transgender, some trans woman on, and it's a 300 pound guy called Bubba with a beard, uh, but Bubba is now Tinkerbell, um, they would never say um, Tinkerbell is a man who identifies as a woman. They would say this is a woman, trans woman, a real woman. But with me, they got to they got to take that dig and say a man who identifies as a journalist. It, the hypocrisy is off the charts. One thousand percent it is. But I just wanted to I wanted to have this interview with you because, like I said, I've been radicalized by this and I'm going to be pushing this issue hard (laughs) uh, and strong and everywhere I can. But secondly, I wanted to make sure that, you know, because I know you're a very modest man. You're not a man who seeks credit. You you just want to do your job. But a you got Pierre Poilier to pay attention to uh, Rebel News and answer hard questions from you. Put that feather in your cap. B, you forced the liberals, the new fascists, to actually answer questions from Rebel News. Put that feather in your cap. That's a big deal with uh, Guibault. It's a big, big deal. And three, that video and all of the attendant attention that came on it I think it's the straw that broke the camel's back. That is the moment where the liberal government lost any opportunity it may have had of remaining in power. And as, as, as horrible yeah. a thing as it is, as terrible a thing as it is, that a good man like you, you know, who's frankly an elderly man, was attacked by a young man in, in, in the peak prime condition of his life. And that's not a good thing. You, you know what I'm saying? I just recommend that man if he if he's ever interested in talking to someone on our side who's closer to his age and that fellow from the RCMP and 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 go into a ring for charity. I think that'd be a good thing. I'd love to see that. By the way, uh, well, I'll let I'll let you go ahead on that. I'll uh, I'll be your corner. <laughs> well, you know, I'm I'm uh, I. I'm I, I, I'm I'm not gonna I'm I'm not an MMA fighter. I'd have to get myself in shape for that. But if there is someone who is an MMA fighter on our side who's willing to do this for charity with that officer, I think that'd be a good thing. I'll just leave it at that. But uh, well, I will say this, brother: you help break the back of liberal hopes for forming another government. And you should put that feather in your cap. I just wanted to make sure that I made these three points to you face to face on air. That's all. No, I, I appreciate that, uh, Nikki. And uh, in closing. Uh, let me uh, thank you for this opportunity to go on your farm. Uh, first things first, and by that I mean that particular RCMP officer is now under review. I don't know how long the review is uh, going to be, but I can tell you this, my friend. Um, I have every suspicion he will be absolved of all wrongdoing because when you have cops investigating cops, and hey, listen, we back the blue. We're not anti-police. If you don't, I mean, this nonsense of defund the police. Uh, what do you want society to be? Uh, chaotic, uh, you know, to devolve into barbarism and savagery and street justice? No, of course oh. we back the police. We call out bad cops, and this guy's one rotten apple. Still, I fully suspect he'll be cleared because this is how the game works. And then it will be Nikki years before we get our day in court, you know, and by that probably about three years. And again, I just want to reiterate the assault and the forcible confinement and the false charges 
that's not the crux of the matter. The crux of the matter is the attack on the constitutional rights of a journalist. Everybody, regardless of who you support politically, should be simpatico with that. And uh, that will be, uh, we've got a fantastic legal team. Uh, I believe in the next week, uh, the lawsuit will formally be served. And um, I'm happy to come back on your show uh, when we have an update for that, Nikki. I'd love to have you back anytime, man. Keep fighting the good fight, David. And, uh, you know, uh, I am uh, excited for the day where the election is called. I'm excited for the day where the election is held and uh, Justin Trudeau uh, and his new fascist party are are, uh, assigned to the dustbin of history. Good riddance. I think it's only a matter of time. I think even Justin Trudeau knows that. Uh, He can't ignore that. And I fear that he's going to rag the puck to use a hockey analogy all the way till October 2025. Uh, Jugmeet Singh couldn't be happier. He needs to get to February of 2025 for the full six years to qualify for a pension. That's really what's behind him propping up this government. Make no mistake, uh, Nikki, because, you know, he might, as they say, socialism ain't for the socialists. And, you know, when Jugmeet Singh wear Armani suits and he drives a BMW M3. Uh, yeah, no plug-in EV for, for him. That That's for schlubs like us, uh, Nikki. Uh, those are very expensive items. So, um, yeah, uh, I fear um, we've got at least a year and a half to wait. It's going to be a long year and a half. Uh, but um, maybe things will get off on uh, the right foot this November south of the border with regime change uh, which I think is inevitable in the United so States. I think so too. Yeah. God is good. I, 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 I've got a feeling that uh, uh, the NDP will not hold up there under the bargain. I don't know why I say this. It's, it's more of a gut feel than anything else. I hear everything you're saying. Those all make sense that you would want to vest his pension fully, et cetera, et cetera. But the other thing is, I, I think there's a lot of discontent in the NDP ranks with this uh, alliance. This is good for Jagmeet. I don't think it's good for the New Democratic Party. And I think the, the the professional politicians in that organizations know that. They are being tarred with the same brush as Justin Trudeau right now. And what they don't want is to lose their seats whenever the election comes. And so I think they're going to start pushing this guy to say, you got to find a reason to break it off with him. So we'll see what happens. Oh, you know, Nikki. You know, it's amazing, I think, that the NDP party still exists because it is a two-headed dragon. On one hand, you have the classic NDPers. These are the guys, these are the blue-collar lunch bucket brigades, the hard hat wearing, you know, laborers who want mega projects like new pipelines to be built. These are projects that take years, they're well-paying, good unionized jobs. And then you have the other head of the dragon. That's the Jugmeet Singh, you know, the um, Starbucks latte drinking, uh, Armani wearing socialist in downtown Toronto uh, going on and on about climate change is the reason why we have to uh, put a kibosh on these projects. Um, Again, this is a party that is really having internal struggles. They've got money problems as well as I I understand. But um, yeah, I. You know, it's the months ahead will be interesting. My only other theory about an election being before 
October of 2025 is the fact that uh, Tom Korski, who does great work with Blacklocks, he's been following that there's been so many appointments to boards and commissions uh, by the Trudeau Liberals. And uh, forget about what the polls say. Usually that's an indicator that an election is around the corner. They're rewarding all their bag men uh, before they uh, inevitably lose office. The, the other theory and it's a Hail Mary pass, but I wouldn't put it past Trudeau. Have an election this fall before the November U.S. election, Nikki, and where Trudeau positions himself as I am your white knight to save you from the big bad orange man who is likely going to be the next president. Um, that's the other theory. So who knows? Um, you know, I. I even two weeks in politics is an eternity, Nikki. We'll just have to uh, pay attention to I'll, what I'll, happens. I'll, I'll, I'll do a friendly wager with you, David, on, on a kebab dinner that the election will be held before the U.S. election. That That's it on me. And if you're saying not till 2025, kebab dinner. Whoever wins takes the other one out to a nice kebab dinner. <laughs> Nikki, I want to lose that bet. Believe me, <laughs> but you know what? It's it's too hard to tell. You know, it it's kind of like in, in a sporting analogy. If there's one team in all the major league sports that you neither bet on or bet against, it is the Detroit Lions because they lose when they're supposed to win. They win when they're, they're supposed, supposed to lose. To lose. <laughs> um, when you they fail to cover the spread. You name it. You will go bankrupt betting on that team. I wouldn't touch that bet uh, with a 10-foot pole, even if I was standing 11 feet away. But anyways, let's have a kebab dinner. Uh, anyways, uh, Nikki, and uh, you show me a great little Persian place I haven't been to. and I, I Oh, I got a couple in mind. I got a couple in mind. All right, okay. my brother. Great to have you here. And thanks for all the work you do standing up for freedom, my friend. God bless. Bye-bye. Pleasure to be with you. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Man Podcast. If you're ready to take charge of your life and become the man you've always wanted to be, we invite you to join the movement at SovereignMan.ca.